listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Dr. Eben Alexander, neurosurgeon and author of Proof of Heaven, Seeking Heaven, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. One of the toughest things to explain to people is that sense of ultra-reality. More than half of NDEers come back saying that world is much more real than this world. We often think from this perspective, you know, that that world would be murky and dreamlike. This is the dreamlike world. That spiritual realm is much sharper and crisper and more kind of alive in detail. And that's what I experienced in that gateway valley. When I did come back to this world, my, my, and that was on day seven of coma world, but when I did, my brain was absolutely wrecked. I didn't even recognize my mother, sisters, sons at the bedside. All I knew was where I had just been. And my memories and language and all that came back over hours and days and ultimately completely over two months. That was the piece that was so shocking and proved to me very strongly that, you know, the brain is not the creator of consciousness, nor the repository of memories. So what was the response to your colleagues and how did these uh, insights differ from what you'd been taught and what you'd believed prior to, you know, going into a coma and that experience. Well, it was a, a complete 180 degree shift from what I'd always been taught and believed. I'd spent 15 years as associate professor at Harvard Medical School teaching neurosurgery, thinking I understood something about brain, mind, and consciousness. But I came to realize that the materialist or physicalist view that the brain creates consciousness uh, is false. It is not true at all. You know, the, the notion that our existence as a soul is birth to death and nothing more is false. And that is what I think this world is waking up to. And there are scientists around the world who study these phenomena. And that I think is the most important thing. There's, and those who used to believe the brain creates consciousness out of physical matter are going extinct because that is not what's truly happening. The models, as we explain in our book, Living in a Mindful Universe, and as others are explaining, is one of idealism, where we come to recognize that the mental layer of the universe provides a tremendous amount of causal influence on the events of our lives. And this is something that we're just beginning to investigate. But the brain is not the creator of consciousness. It's a filter that allows in primordial unified consciousness. You get better eventually. Your memory returns a, a long process, a, a scary process, but I think also, as you describe it, quite beautiful. And mm -hmm. then what changes in your life? You know, how did that rejuvenate you in your view of the world? Well, I think in many ways it was very liberating and refreshing. And it really proved to me how we're all truly in this together. You know, we are bound together through forces of love that can be very healing. Uh, it's a lesson that I think religions have tried to teach for thousands of years based on, you know, the deep truth that was discerned by various prophets uh, from journeys uh, that were just the same space of, of near-death experiences. And yet the world at large has been uh, very slow on the uptake. And that's why I think it's important that the scientific study of consciousness is what it's actually leading to this profound revelation in how we view ourselves and view our world. Uh, and that extraordinary healing is something that, in fact, the, the, the three physicians not involved in my care who wrote that case report used to explain the case when they were challenged by the peer reviewers who called it absurd. They said, no one this sick with meningoencephalitis has this full recovery. How do you explain it? And the doctors who wrote the case report said it was because of my NDE that I had such a profound healing. 
And I think that's an extraordinary admission in the scientific peer-reviewed medical literature of what's going on here. And this is why it's important to all of us because we start to learn much more about our powers of healing self and others. And I think ultimately a meditation and centering prayer are beautiful ways to get to these deeper truths. Um, you don't have to have an NDE uh, to understand it. A regular practice of going within mind, meditation, exploring across that veil uh, can be very important, but it's about unlocking our creativity, uh, getting into guidance and the true source of kind of wisdom and understanding of our role in the universe. And essentially, I believe that's what we're all challenged to do is uh, discover much more richly uh, the, the interaction we have with the calls of forces in the universe and explore just how far we can take that power of our free will to manifest the reality of our dreams. I like that very much, uh, the reality, manifest the reality of our dreams, and it's not all in the material. Was writing a cathartic way for you to put into words a part of your experience and to create a sense of legacy? Absolutely. Writing was a beautiful thing, and certainly the biggest lesson to me, I had written a lot of academic papers uh, before, more than 150 uh, neurosurgical papers. So I was used to writing from that perspective, but this was a whole different ball game, but I had to explore it because it was so memorable and meaningful and real. I mean, I remember it today as if it happened yesterday morning. Uh, I knew that, uh, uh, you know, this whole process of, of writing it out, doing it for my own good in many ways was very healing. Uh, because it, by writing it out, you kind of put that story into perspective. I'm wondering how you just said before that the word God, after this experience, it seemed like a puny word. So how do you define God and, and how did your understanding become enriched? Well, it really completely shifted the way I see God. Um, uh, certainly, I, I came back realizing that it doesn't matter if you want to use the word God or Allah, Brahman, Vishnu, Jehovah, Yahweh, Great Spirit. Those are all misleading kind of linguistic tricks that point you away from the, the very deep and profound fact that we're all talking about the same central uh, being of source of uh, awareness of existence of the universe, that God force. And yet it's right at the core of each and every one of our uh, awarenesses as a being. And this is why traversing that veil and kind of getting away from this false notion that we're a dissociated altar unto ourselves like an island in the sea, but uh, as Carl Jung noted, where those islands are all connected at the sea bottom. And that's what this exploring of greater mind, uh, primordial mind going through the veil, exploring that God force of ultimate creativity and of source awareness starts to show us the benefits of seeing the oneness of our existence. And then the way we treat other beings must be with kindness, respect, uh, with uh, mercy, uh, acceptance, uh, and love. I mean, ultimately, that binding force of love, which so many near-death experiencers have uh, witnessed firsthand, is what truly brings us together in this one mind. It's kind of a heart consciousness. So you spoke a little bit about the commonalities of the experiences that people have had all over the world um, when they've um, you had near-death experiences. How have they varied? You know, how have you noticed? Because you've you've spoken to a number of people who've had these experiences. 
Well, I would say, that, you know, the classic Western description of going through a tunnel is not necessarily something that's uh, repeated universally, although, you know, passage from kind of darkness into light uh, is a very common theme. Uh, one of the most common themes uh, that goes across all millennia, all cultures, all belief systems uh, is encountering souls of departed loved ones. And I think uh, this is where we need to kind of awaken to, you know, the reality of the of these experiences. Is there an aspect of God and spirituality that you wish we could deconstruct? Well, I think certainly uh, to look at God as judgmental is, is the incorrect notion. Near-death experiences uh, pretty much universally bring back that that God is an infinitely loving of uh, a force of pure uh, comfort of being home. And, uh, you know, as I said, I see that God force is the very core of our conscious awareness. And it's something I've gotten close to in meditation, unlike memories of hallucinations or dreams or things like that. But I would say it's really that, that God force is deeply personal at the very core of our being, of our awareness of being. And yet it is something that can be so healing as we adopt it more fully into our lives and come to realize the power of healing, of comfort and kindness and mercy that we can share with our fellow beings to simply reflect that binding force of love that is ultimately due to that God force. And of course, that's something that's been pretty much universally described by prophets and mystics going back thousands of years, that uh, infinitely loving force. But I think uh, where our religious uh, systems, wherever they brought in a notion of a very judgmental kind of paternal punishing God, those have been very erroneous. And so you've spoken about what the science of consciousness can learn from spiritual experiences. Uh, what uh, conversely might uh, spiritual people or the, the religious learn from science? Well, I think basically what you learn is, for one thing, that this worldview uh, of the primacy of consciousness, of eternity of soul, is something that is supported by objective scientific evaluation. Uh, that's critical. Uh, but then, of course, other things have to do with how do we uh, thin this veil? How do we more uh, readily uh, kind of become one in connection with uh, this primordial mind and this uh, same sense of of a beautiful God force that near-death experiencers are granted, how can we get that? So meditation is absolutely what I'd be recommending for a personal exploration. And that is something where the scientific world helps us get to a deeper understanding of, of the utility of it and the best ways to do it. And so when you have this experience, you've, you've come back into the world, um, you, you share this message with people. Once we have begun to heal ourselves, uh, we, we look back and we see that there's other problems. Today's challenges, whether it's climate change, you know, displacement, um, you know, economic and food insecurity, you know, destruction of our natural resources. Um, you know, how can we also tap into this mindfulness to ask what kind of world are we leaving for future generations and what do we value and what kind of world do we want to live in? In many ways, our modern world takes its lead from science and from the scientific community. Certainly, the advances of uh, science and technology in the 20th and, any, and early 21st century have been very beneficial in many ways. You know, all the advances in medical science, in communications, 
uh, in transportation. I mean, there are many ways that science and technology have helped us. But then you look at the dark underbelly of what's going on, our addiction to fossil fuels, carbon dioxide and global warming, the uh, melting of Antarctic and Greenland uh, ice packs, uh, expansion of the ocean through temperature increase. It's all a very dramatic uh, demonstration of the problems if you're not really wise. And I would say we're more homo destructus than homo sapiens when I look at what we're doing. And, but it's also part of that awakening that we take stewardship of this planet and start doing the right things for the future, for all of our descendants, uh, uh, children and grandchildren and uh, all the other uh, animal and plant systems. So, I mean, what a gift to have this planet. And yet one species is in the process of dramatically wrecking it uh, quickly, and it will make Homo sapiens go extinct as well. So I, I'm optimistic about the future because I believe this awakening is absolutely happening. That's why I work so hard to help get this world out, get this word out to the world as broadly as possible, because I believe it shows a way forward that can lead to a much more peaceful, harmonious, and a prosperous planet for all of us, and not one that we've actually wrecked through our ignorance. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, and, and also it is interesting, as you say, about past lives. I do believe at least history does leave a, a trace upon the present and uh, if and, and the inverse, as you say, about the future. So going back to that question of our responsibility, as you reflect on the future, education, climate change, international politics, and how our systems really need to adapt and to work in greater harmony with nature. Um, you know, what would you like young people to know? What lessons have been important to you? What would you like them to know, preserve, and remember? Well, I think the important thing to know is uh, any limitations they perceive about their contribution to this awakening are self-generated limitations. In other words, open your mind to the possibilities. You have tremendous power as a sentient being. No soul left behind. This is uh, something Karen and I pushed very hard in a series of webinars we did interviewing. Take care of yourself. Bring that love and kindness and compassion into your dealings with self and others. Uh, and this world will change dramatically. I think you'll find great reason for optimism and for hope in viewing the, the uh, way our, our world can go, but it absolutely involves a change from the status quo, from our current direction. And that is something where the youth of today offer tremendous promise and hope to me. But really, it's up to all of us to take charge. And I have great hope that the youth, you know, the kids born in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and more current era, uh, are really the ones to rescue us because the information is out there. The internet is a great resource for all this. Use some discernment because of course there's also some noise and misleading information on the uh, internet. But this is where prayer and meditation can help one come into deeper alignment with truth and in uh, making decisions about how to live their own life. Thank you, Dr. Eben Alexander, for sharing your experiences and insights into the mystery and wonder of life, consciousness, and the spiritual realm, helping us tap into our creativity. We all live on one planet we call home. Thank you for sharing your journey and adding your voice to the Creative Process and One Planet podcast. Well, thank you, Mia, for having me on. It's been great talking with you, and namaste. We hope you've enjoyed this program 
and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.